This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. special welcome to those of you who are listening for the very first time. Uh, As folks know, hey, the world of UX, what do we do here? We talk about everything associated with UX. We talk about the work. We talk about things leading up to the work. We talk about managing stakeholders. We talk about UX maturity levels. We talk about everything, especially the things that a lot of folks don't talk about which happen to be the very same things that end up creating problems for people because nobody's talking about it. So we're trying to help folks. We want to talk about things that are critical, things that are key, things that are important. I bring on guests all the time, all this by way of introduction for those of you that are new to the podcast. So yeah, we're, we're really happy to be here. We're happy to share. I love to share For those of you that don't really know me, I've been involved in UX now. This is my 27th year of working in conjunction with UX going all the way back to 1995. And no, I didn't used to give myself credit for all that experience. I used to just focus on my full-time operation, but I first started doing what we now know as UX in 1995. And that sort of is part of the the core behind a lot of the things, or I should say the foundation behind a lot of things that I'm doing because I do what I do because I'm trying to give back to the discipline, which has been good to me. I try to do things to help those who really want to do the work, who really want to grow, who really want to mature in their discipline, in their craft. I try to share any and everything I can that will help to further people along. So again, we talk about everything. We don't leave any stone unturned so we hope people are appreciative of that judging by what we see it looks like folks are appreciative so i'm happy for you i celebrate you this is episode 99 next week we're going to do something special i'm not going to tell you what that's going to be but we're going to do something special next week and then we have a two-year anniversary that's coming up in may we're going to do something special for that and i think that's going to run over multiple weeks there in May. And I also want to take the time to celebrate another, to me, it's a milestone. Somebody else might not feel that way, but eh, you know what? It's <laughs> I'm the one who's doing this show. So I am going to celebrate things that other people are not and, and sort of getting ahead of myself. Cause we're going to talk about uh, some, something today that's not going to be very popular, but it's very much needed. Uh, we just had our 20,000th download this past week of the World of UX podcast. So I'm really happy about that. Actually, no, 21,000. 21,000. We celebrated 21,000 downloads of the podcast this week. So yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I hope you're excited. Again, I hope that people are getting a lot out of this based on the feedback that I get. People do get a lot out of it. There's always somebody who's angry about it, and and we're going to get into that 
a little bit today as we're going to sort of prepare for next week's special session by just having another what I call UX potpourri uh, session. We're going to be all over the place. We're going to talk about a few different topics in the time that we have on today. So let us go ahead and dive right in with topic number one. I saw something on, and I'm starting to spend more time on Twitter. There are a lot more wholesome discussions and interactions a lot of times that are happening on Twitter. You have restricted space. You can only believe it's up to 280 characters that you can type. So you can't say a whole lot. And a lot of what you do on Twitter is going to really, is going to fall back on any links that you can provide or you have to chain things together. So, you know, it is what it is. And and we try to operate the best way we can on LinkedIn. I, I think it's somewhere in the vicinity of 1,280 characters, something like that. So a lot of these things are pretty, they're pretty limited, uh, which is why I started writing on on medium so that I could express myself a bit more. And you don't have all these limitations and you can say exactly what you have to say and you can break things down. And it's really funny how a lot of people, and I'm sort of getting ahead of myself again here, but there are a lot of people People come at me a lot on social media and they'll say, well, you know what? Why don't you talk about what we can do to, to address this? Well, we don't have enough characters to do that. And uh, those of us that are paying attention and who post a lot know you can't really say a whole lot. You, you can only say so much and you have to hope that people are putting your posts together or stringing them together or paying attention to you over time because that's really the only way that you're going to be able to address something in totality or anything even close to totality. It's, it's, and the only place I can is on videos, which I hope to start producing soon. I've been trying to do that for a while. It hasn't quite worked out that way. But you, you say a few things and you hope that people will, will apply critical thinking and things like that. Instead, you get these trolls. Um, so th- this is going to be, it wasn't going to be the first topic, but I guess it is. So it's sort of screaming at me to, to, <laughs> to present this first folks. There is a ton of trolling on social media period. It's just a social media thing. The reason why I single out trolling in UX as being extremely problematic is because I refer to on a regular basis, UX is being still in its infancy. And when I say that, we had a great discussion about that at the the UX chit chat hour this past week. The reason that I refer to UX in its infancy, and I know a lot of people won't see it in its infancy, but when I present this, maybe you'll change your mind and you'll understand it because the more that we understand where UX is, the better we can tend to it. And it's interesting to note, remember, UX in its earlier stages were more so known as interaction design and information architecture with information architecture probably leading the way at least from 1998 till about 2008 to 2009 or so. Most of us were information architects. A lot of us, we were information architects. That was our title, but we did everything. We did research. We did everything. We were, we were specialists. We were generalists. And we did everything across the UX landscape. It wasn't until about 2011, 2012, that specialization started to come into being. Uh, and then there's a problem associated with that, but we'll address that at another time. In the midst of, of all of these things, consider the fact that UX 
again, infancy. But I say that because it's in comparison to other disciplines. Other disciplines have been around for years, years and years and years and years. And and UX is always, if you get into a, a, a meeting, you're working on a project, and the whole team comes together, you have several disciplines that are represented at that meeting. We are always the baby. We're the one that nobody understands yet. We're the one that everybody is always trying to do our work for us. We're the one that people don't understand what we're saying or what we're doing. And because of all these things, and because UXers don't even, we're all over the place with the things that we do. Some people care about the work. Some people care about themselves. Some people trying to make a name for themselves. Some people are trying to do things just to generate income. They really don't care what happens to the discipline. We are so disjointed in UX that it just causes problems on a regular basis. And then you have UX maturity levels, and they're all over the place because people don't even know that you need to manage your UX maturity level. We, we are the, the epitome of what a child is. Somebody that thinks they know something when you look as a, at us as a whole. Somebody that thinks they know something, doesn't really know anything, won't listen to anybody at, collectively. That's who we are, whether we like it or not. And, and so we're really immature, disjointed, don't know which way is up, trying to make our way to the next day, uh, trying to enjoy ourselves as we go, but we're really scatterbrained and it's really crazy. That's the world of UX today. That's where we are. And, and most importantly, our maturity as a discipline, our overall UX maturity level is bad. And it's a lot of times because of people who are really going against the grain and always trying to establish things that they don't need to establish. We have job titles that are all over the place. We have the way that we hire, the way that we post job descriptions, the the way that we operate is just so insane. Folks, we are in our infantile stages. Other disciplines are mature. I had a post on LinkedIn this past week, and I talked about how that all mature disciplines embrace gatekeepers. Because gatekeepers, quality advocates, always sought to establish the highest levels of quality and always tried to make sure that the people coming into the discipline also had high levels of quality and would align with the established levels of quality. Today, in UX, people fight against gatekeepers. They label gatekeepers as people that are trying to keep folks out when we're actually trying to usher people in, but trying to do the same things that happens with other disciplines so, and I'm going to go down another uh, another rabbit hole with this. All of these things, folks, we are in our infantile stages. And in the midst of that, I, I strongly and firmly stand behind that and the reasoning of it. But here's the thing. In the midst of the state that we're in today, there are a lot of people. I love the book. I just was recently introduced to the book uh, of the death of expertise. And in that book, the author is talking about really what I'm about to get at here. There are people that don't want to be told that they're wrong. There are people that are drowning in in anchoring bias. They don't want to hear anything that contradicts what they initially heard. They've never exercised critical thinking, so they never look at what they believe to see whether or not it's really accurate. They get hostile when anybody says anything different. They are not interested in facts at all. 
If you start a discussion anywhere on social media, I don't care where it is, they always change the subject to the thing that they want to talk about, even if that subject is irrelevant and even if you didn't say that. They want to argue, they want to fight, they want to bicker, uh, not knowing that none of that stuff accomplishes anything. These are what we call trolls. Uh, I had a person that I knew who said they were just getting started in social media, and for some reason, uh, they just, again, people assume you get involved in something you're not familiar with, you need to understand the landscape if you're going to operate successfully. That just goes for anything, UX, anything else, social media, it doesn't matter what it is, bowling, uh, you name archery, you name it, you need to understand how things work or you're just going to be a participant. You're not really going to go anywhere and you're certainly not going to grow when it comes to your acumen or you're just going to stumble into things and then you're going to pat yourself on the back because of the path you took, but that path was actually inappropriate and it wasn't the best thing that you could have done for yourself or anyone else for that matter. But a lot of people, trolls in particular, don't like things like that. So when you start to tell people what it is that they should be doing, when you say something that contradicts their their bias grounding or biased grounding, I should say, because they ha also have a lack of emotional intelligence, the only thing they know how to do is fight. But, but back to the, the other story. The person gets involved in social media, and the first thing they do is start, because they know me, they start tracking my posts. It looks like only, and then trying to find something, just trying to poke holes instead of hearing what was being said. You can poke holes in anything if your goal is to poke holes. Folks, that's not immature. That's actually very childish. It's very immature, and it's not taking the conversation forward. If you don't agree with what someone said, take the con the, the conversation forward. Instead, the individual, because again, I disagree anytime you want. I might learn something, but please know and understand this. I don't talk until I know what I'm talking about, which a lot of people don't. So you're not going to be able to play the, the whole poking game because it's not going to work. And then these same people start, as this person did, start to show their animosity instead of trying to share. Because the person is informed. The person is smart. But instead of using that, they just got involved too quickly and began to try to poke holes in things, especially, and this is something else that trolls like to do, and this person, long story short, getting involved in social media, and the first thing they did was they became a troll. So, well, we don't have time for that. So away, away with you block. You know, we just don't have time for that today because it doesn't respect anybody's time. It doesn't respect anybody's uh, um, uh, acumen or experience. Bring something to the table, contribute something. And we were having a conversation and, you know, people start to bring up exceptions. And it's funny, if you're a user experience professional, especially if you're a researcher, you're supposed to know where exceptions bring value, and you're supposed to know when exceptions, outliers, in other words, when outliers come into play and when and when not to introduce or even examine the concept or what's behind a person being an outlier. Are there things to glean from outliers? Absolutely, but you don't use outliers to disprove a point. Try to do that in a research project and watch and see what happens. And I'm speaking of an academic research project, by the way. If, you, if you're doing, I'm working on my dissertation now, if I bring in outliers and try to make a case from an outlier, the board, the review board, 
will take that and throw it back at you. And they don't care how mean they're coming across either. They're going to throw it back at you and challenge you to go and do something that makes more sense. You cannot use an outlier to make a point. A lot of UXers are supposed to know this, but trolls don't. They try to poke holes by coming up with an outlier, and the outlier doesn't disprove what's said. It just gives them personal gratification in poking holes. Folks, trolling needs to cease. It just flat out needs to cease. And a lot of people don't don't talk about it because they're not being targeted by the trolls. They don't experience the the hardship associated with trolling. And I'm going to talk about this before I move on to the next topic today because I've brought up trolling a few times. I've brought it up on this podcast a few times. I've brought it up on social media a few times. And a lot of times, and I brought it up in, in one-on-one conversations before. And people will say things like, get over it. They'll say things like, oh, just ignore it and things like that. And, and these people, apparently you haven't experienced what I'm talking about. Have any of you ever experienced being stalked because of what you share or what you do, what you talk about? Have any of you ever had somebody track you down, try to find somebody to discover your work email address so that they can flame you at work? Have you ever had people mobilize against you physically and in person? I have. And so these types of things are absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I've had people who will look at other people liking my posts or sharing my posts. When they try to get a job, they will say, hey, you liked this thing that Darren Hood said and then discriminate against the person. So that that's like an extended aspect of trolling. And none of these things is appropriate. I don't care what level of trolling a person is being subjected to or what level of trolling a person is doing, folks, it is harming the discipline. And when, and it's really, I'm talking about the mindset behind it in order to get over trolling so that we can eliminate the impact of trolling. Folks have to make themselves a committee of one on an individual basis, embrace the EQ that we need to succeed in UX and stop the trolling. If you don't understand what someone says, ask. Don't just post something to to cause issues. I had something else happen recently where a person who had literally two months of experience in UX, which really doesn't qualify as experience, they said they were a freelancer, but they didn't have any customers yet, so you really haven't done anything yet. So technically, the person had zero experience. I posted a poll on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's survey or poll feature, it's really more poll than survey, is not a scientific way to conduct research. You can just ask a question as if you were just in a conversation with somebody. So the fact that you post this thing, there's nothing scientific about it. It doesn't deserve any scientific critique with regard to what somebody posts or how they do it. A person who had no experience in UX decides that they are licensed and they they were emboldened by the so-called education that they had in UX. That's one of the problems with this education, but we'll talk about that another time too. Decided to say, share my poll and say, this is how not to conduct a survey. Who said I was conducting a survey? But this person, and I, I told the person, I said, you know, this is trolling, right? And the person said, oh, your question? Oh, I didn't realize that, LOL. I said, no, 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 your question, what you posted 
is an act of trolling. You approach something that's not scientific, assume that it is scientific, assume that this is a reflection of my skill, made a post that basically cast aspersions about my person and skill, and you had new sensitivity about that whatsoever. That's what trolls do, folks. That's what trolls do. And this person has no sensitivity about it. And it's really, really sad, but it hurts the discipline because people who don't have critical thinking and people who operate in anchoring bias see what the person posted, assume that it's accurate, apply zero critical thinking. They don't question anything, so they're not academic in their thinking. They just assume it and they run off. And if you just, this is why people do what they call research today in UX will ask someone if they like something and then think that they've done research. That's not research. That's not academic. It has no critical thinking involved. That's not trying to discover things. That's leading, and, it, and it's, no. They said that my question was leading. No, I asked you a question. Which would you rather learn? That's not a leading question, and these people learn about leading questions probably the previous week. I've seen that a lot over the years. You learn, they learn about something one day or the next day. They go out trying to, everything they see is that. You know, it, They learn about hammers, and the next day everything they see is a nail, and then they begin to carry on in that fashion without really, they're making a judgment about someone's character off of one thing instead of understanding the whole. And that is unethical. It is trollish. It is an EQ red flag. And the, the UX community thrives on how we support one another and we can't get anywhere if we if we don't support each other, especially the way that a lot of the younger UXers, they try to say that we're stopping them. Nobody's stopping them, and they don't have, they say that, they can never provide an example where they see someone who's actually trying to stop them. So that that's just, somebody is just, they made that popular, and they do it, and they say it. There's zero evidence about such. Um, but there's a lot of juniors and a lot of non-UXers that are trying to stop senior UXers. So, folks, let, let's just write the ship. I know I dedicated a lot of time to that today, but that's where we are. That's that's one. Uh, the next one is, does it really matter where you learn? I, I, I saw something on social media where somebody was talking about this, and they were saying that it doesn't matter where you learn, just learn. I challenge that. Uh, I'll write let you know that it's wrong. And the reason I say that, and, and because I have a ton, not only of UX experience backing me on that, but a whole ton of educational experience, and that's what I'm getting my PhD in also. It does matter where you learn. It does matter how you learn. And everybody out there that claims they're trying to teach you something is not, nor do they understand that teaching is a science also. Education is also a science. And there's a way to go about educating someone. And when you don't, do that when you offer up someone a structure that's short of that it actually is questionable whether or not that person's really getting an education now here's the catch when you're getting educated when we're getting educated about a topic that we don't know or understand you very well may be i mean you don't know how to make the right decision many times if i need to learn i'm not a handyman use this as an example I'm not a handyman, never been good at that stuff, not really, my entire life. And if I want to learn a little bit more about how to paint, because I'm not 
good at painting. I've done it before, but I wouldn't consider myself to be good at it. I'm definitely not knowledgeable, and I, I couldn't explain anything to you about painting. If I want to learn about painting, and I know I need to learn about painting, if something has happened where this becomes a critical point for me, and when I say critical, it's like I, I'm going to be tasked to do it. I can't depend on anybody else. So I need to learn something, right? So if I want to learn about painting, I could go to a friend. I could. I could learn something. Or I could go to the look up a class on YouTube. I could. Or I could go to Home Depot or Lowe's and they offer classes on painting and I could do that. So I have multiple options. Which one is the best one? Now, somebody may say the one that helps you get the job done. Uh, yeah, but you know what? Here's the part that people miss. It depends on your makeup. It actually depends on your makeup as an individual. For me, and I'm, I'm telling my story, and do with it what you will. I mean, folks are going to do that anyway. But I want to do my best in the moment. So if I want to do my best in the moment, and I don't want there to be any errors. I don't want anybody. Because I mean, when you when you're learning from someone who's an expert, something that they taught us a long time ago. When I got my first four instructional design certifications, they said that when you're designing training, make sure that you don't let an expert do the training. Now, the only time an expert is doing the training is when they understand instructional design because then they'll become more of an instructional designer than an expert, and the expert becomes a supportive factor, a supportive cognitive factor. But when a person understands what training really is and that telling somebody is not really training, one of my favorite books of all time, Telling Ain't Training, when you tell somebody something, you haven't trained them at all. And I'm sure we all just had a quick flashback and have gone to training sessions where all somebody did was talk and that's not training. <laughs> Telling somebody something and then going back and saying, well, I told you, well, you didn't train me on it. So people don't learn when you tell them, they learn when you train them. And then training has to be done properly or it's not training. So back to the story, if I wanna be my best in the moment, I may never paint again for 10 years or ever. But if I want to be my best, I'm better going to the best expert I have access to. And, and of those options that I presented, the best thing that I can do is go to Home Depot. They have those free classes on weekends. Just go and take a class, learn it. You'll get a chance to do or engage in the three things that are supposed to be part of every learning experience. Presentation, that's the part where you hear, where they're telling you something. Then application, where you take the things that they were telling you and you get a chance to practice it. And then feedback, where somebody, a, a, an authorized individual, by the way, tells you whether or not you did well and what you could do to improve or what you should do to maintain. Presentation, application, feedback. Every learning experience must have those three things. If you don't have those three things, it's not a full learning experience. It's not until you get into the application and the feedback on that application that the learning experience is complete. There's, and you know what? There's a bunch of people now running around trying to talk about learning experience. And it turned out I may have even coined that phrase. I thought it was 
natural. I thought it made sense. So I just said it. I didn't, I never tried to claim it, nor did I talk a lot about it, but until later, but a lot of people today are talking about learning experience and they don't know what they're talking about either. So now we got another group of people, another faction that's popping up that, uh, that we're going to have to manage. But at any rate, every good learning experience has to have presentation, application, and feedback. It has to have good pedagogical structure, good curriculum, good outline for learning. It must be, if you're an adult, it has to be inclusive of sound andragogical elements. Or in other words, there are adult learning principles that need to be a part of, of the learning experience anytime the learners are adults. There has to be a, a larger what's in it for me factor for adults. You have to have instructors that are qualified. You have to have instructors that actually know how to instruct. It's best to have instructors that can answer the the bevy of question types that will come forth from learners. If you have somebody there that doesn't know, they're not going to be able to answer the questions, and that lets you know they should not have been up there in the first place. There's a lot of people that say, well, you know, the best way to learn is to teach. No, because you don't know anything, and it's not ethical to make your learners guinea pigs. So don't do that. It's just really sad what's happening on the learning front today. And the people that are paying the price are the learners. And then that extends to everyone that those learners touch. So as a person who is a certified instructional designer, including master trainer, as a person that is certified as an instructional technologist, and as a person who is getting a PhD in educational learning, I'm saying these things. So always make sure you consider the source. When people are telling you, that it doesn't matter where you learn, go and look at their background in education. Go and look and see, do they have educational credentials? Are they, are they trained in that? If not, they're just giving you an opinion, and all you have to have is vocal cords and the ability to speak, and you can say anything that your mind puts together. It doesn't mean that it's accurate. So always consider the source. If not, you are going to become a statistic. You are, are going to become one of those people that believes any and everything, and you're going to pay the price for exactly that. We don't want you to do that today. Let's make sure to deliver yourself from these people who are saying these things and creating and leaving uh, uh, really cognitively catastrophic uh, um, um, fallout in their wake. Don't, don't, don't fall into that. Uh, speaking of learning, there was a, a conversation that came up on, on LinkedIn recently where somebody literally said, some of you are not going to believe this, uh, when I was talking about the dangers of some of these uh, like, like popcorn, microwave popcorn training sessions that come up out here, uh, someone said they felt that those are what they called a placebo. And the person said, this is their, these are their exact words, sometimes placebos like these help boost the confidence of a newcomer in the world of UX and many juniors do a great job of passing the interviews too. No, no, they don't. Uh, but anyway, nothing wrong with that except the expectations of having received the real deal and becoming stagnant thereafter. And I told the person a placebo is a waste when you could have spent the energy on the real thing. Celebration of the artificial sacrifices intel, uh, excellence. That's what I said. The person came back and they said, well, placebos do work. Nobody talked about it. We just finished talking about trolls, right? This person is a troll also because uh, we weren't talking about whether or not placebos work. I was talking about the ethics of whether or not to present a placebo. 
Uh, I know people who have the Google certification and are now enjoying life. That doesn't verify the, the ends don't justify the means at all, folks. And so once they got the impression that they're now a certified UXer, that's where the trouble starts. So I do see your concern. So they understood that because, folks, the Google program is not a certification. You get a certificate of completion like you do when you complete any basic program. Uh, they give you a little certificate and you put it up in your wall, whatever you want to do with it. You can you can do whatever. You're, you're proud of that. You should You should celebrate things that you complete. That's all fine and dandy. I mean, I understand it, but you're not certified in anything. Uh, so people need to understand that. Matter of fact, a certificate of completion is the equivalent of a participation trophy, especially when you consider the fact that a bunch of people graduating from that program cheated and there's nothing established in the program to stop them from cheating. And by cheating, they go as far many of them. And we've heard these stories over and over again are turning in blank, blank screens with a note on it that just says, please give me a passing grade. I just want to get the certification or the certificate. So people are admitting that they're not doing the work. And then when they graduate, you don't know who cheated. You don't know who didn't. But Google hasn't put anything in place to make sure that people can't do that. So that again, that gets back to the ethics of education. And that's part of the pedagogical aspect, but they don't care because it's just, you know, it's an income generator for them. It gets their name out there. You know, it's bad. You know, uh, um, caveat emptor, let the buyer beware. I, I let the person know. I said, I've been training, counseling, training, and educating people for 40 years. Literally, folks. I've never offered anyone a placebo, nor do I have one in my possession. For my doctoral and expert opinion, I find that to be downright disrespectful and unethical, especially if you have the real thing in your possession. And I ended it by saying there is no metaphor on earth that will justify having a placebo learning. And so I conducted in a little poll. That's the poll that started some of the other stuff that happened. How many of you would rather learn the right way versus a placebo? Which one? One person said that's leading. There's nothing leading about that question at all. It's hot and hot and cold, light and dark, uh, um, red and blue, whatever. Which one would you rather? Over 96% of people who responded to that poll said they'd rather learn the right way. Why would 4% of people opt in, voluntarily opt in for placebo? And the scenario I presented was that you have access to the real deal and cost is not a factor. Which would you do? And they said they'd rather, still rather have the placebo. This is why there are problems in UX today because that should have been a, a no-brainer. 100%. And no, these people were not just trying to be funny. They really felt that they wanted and would rather just go ahead and just take the placebo instead of doing the right thing. And until someone wants to do things the right way, UX as a discipline will, will continue to suffer. We'll continue to suffer with people labeling seniors like me, longtime practitioners like me of being gatekeepers. They will continue to get angry as, as the book, The Death of Expertise, uh, very eloquently presents that some people, they don't like being told that they're wrong and they will fight you tooth and nail instead of examining whether or not they are right or wrong and then making the appropriate change. That is just terrible. Folks, so it's, just, it's just downright terrible, but, but that's where we are today. 
and, and some people will say, as I transition to my next point, some people will say, but some of these places are really doing good. And folks don't understand that the some places are doing good mentality is very corrupt. It's very problematic. Did you know, I mean, I think we all know the name Al Capone. If you don't know who Al Capone is in history, you probably know who Vito Corleone is or who Tony Soprano is. Well, Al Capone was those people. Those people were fictitious, at least as far as we know they were. But Al Capone was a real gangster, and he operated in Chicago in the USA. Notorious gangster, downright criminal, and he would have uh, soup kitchens at certain times during the year. Do you know that people would justify and celebrate him because of the soup kitchen? And, and I challenge you, that's what's happening today. People are doing things that they shouldn't be doing. They're doing things that they don't qualify for. And they, they're being celebrated because of the quote unquote good that they're doing instead of recognizing that what they're doing and what they're proposing, not only shouldn't, should it not be coming from that source, but it's actually causing a lot of problems. Is it helping people get started? Yeah, it's helping you get started, but I can push your car down the hill to get it started too. There's something wrong with our reasoning when we start justifying the end or of the, the, the end. We, we look at the end and we justify the means because of the end when you could have gone a different way and not only accomplished what you did accomplish, but you could have accomplished so much more. There is a logical issue at hand when we're justifying things like that, and that's what's happening, and I want to put that out there for people to, to give some thought. If you have the chance to do the right thing, do the right thing. Don't, don't decide you don't want to do it for whatever reason when you could have accomplished more. You could have been better qualified. You could have been better equipped. You could have made greater impact on stakeholders and for users if you did it the right way. Why in the world would somebody do it the other way? And, and it's, it's just beyond me that somebody would even dare to think of such a thing. But that's what folks do, and they'll fight you tooth and nail. They don't care. Uh, this goes back to the death of expertise again. They don't care about who's bringing something to the table. They don't care what you have to say. Uh, they know what they know, and, and as also the book says, they celebrate their ignorance. So you're really sad. Here's our closing topic for today, and maybe it's fitting that I close with this one. Uh, someone saw, there was a, someone actually sent this to me, uh, and this came out of uh, the, there was another post, I believe there was, where I had mentioned something about ADP list and Slack. That someone, I, I actually got the photo and they were celebrating a partnership with Slack. You got a partnership with Slack? Okay. What does that mean to the UX at large? Nothing. Doesn't impact. Doesn't impact me. Doesn't impact anybody I know. Um, it, it, that's, that's a feather in ADP list cap. And Slack doesn't have anything to gain or lose. So somebody probably knows somebody because there's that, that doesn't do anything. And Slack is not a major player. Just like Google's not a major player in education, Slack is not a major player when it comes to UX. They're just not. That's just a fact. And so I may mention it, and all I said was, this means nothing. 
<laughs> basically this doesn't mean anything. The fact that name, big names are involved doesn't make anybody better or worse. Basically all I was trying to communicate. And then someone uh, asked me if I had seen the post. And I said, no, I, I said, because I blocked the co-founder of ADP on, on social media because he trolls a lot. He's trolled me before. If you don't, if you see, if you're trying to promote uh, mentoring and you interact with somebody who's been in UX as long as I have, I would think, especially with a reach as large as I do, something just confirmed recently, over 2 million impressions in the last year. That's pretty, that's pretty sizable reach, I would think. Why are you, if you're trying to embrace mentoring and, and supposedly because you want to make mentoring, uh, you want you want to help vault. If you're embracing mentoring, it's because you're trying to take the discipline forward. So if you're if you're trying to take the discipline forward, you wouldn't fight against anybody else that's trying to take the discipline forward. If you fight against somebody else that's trying to take the discipline forward, it's because you're not really trying to take the discipline forward. That's that's really what that what that's all about. But at any rate. Uh, I, I said that I blocked the person because of their trolling and the person has trolled me in the past. And so someone's wondering why, what's going on with you in ADP list. Someone asked me what, what I think. I'm not going to get into all of that other than what I've already said. And, and I said, I don't, I, I don't, they haven't done anything for anybody. If you go to their site, it'll say that they, they vet out their mentors. You got to have at least five years of experience. Folks, they reject a lot of people that have way more than five years of experience and people that actually are good mentors. Uh, And and they don't realize that while they use whatever uh, criteria they use to supposedly vet people out, I tell you, I know one thing that they haven't done to vet people out. They didn't do anything to make sure that they're not accepting people that are, have a heart for UX celebritism, which a lot of people do. A lot of people are part of that or any public mentoring movement in many instances, not all. I do know some good mentoring solutions such as user wizard uh, over in Europe. They're doing a fantastic job and they do things the right way. They do it for the right reason. They embrace UX of a truth. They don't fight against uh, senior UXers. Uh, so, cause you're not going to fight against senior UXers and get it anywhere. I know a lot of people do. You're not going to get anywhere in, in the long run. It's eventually going to come back and it's going to bite you. And so that's really sad to do. But here's where I'm getting at and what I wanted to mention today uh, in answering the question about what happened between me and and, and ADP list. The the person, I just said I blocked him uh, because he for trolling, so I can't see the post. That's all I said. So someone sent me a picture that was on, uh, I don't really don't even remember where they got it from, but there was a post. It might have been on LinkedIn. Yeah, you know what? It was on LinkedIn. And and they, they asked the same person, hey, did you see what Darren Hood said about you? And, and he said, well, he is still talking about me. And then they posted, because this just happened at the Academy Awards, the thing that Will Smith did. You see a little picture of Will Smith's head. It's a cartoon. It said, get my name out your mouth. And he looks like he's trying to have fun with it. He doesn't realize we started with trolling today and we end with trolling. That's trolling. They just weren't trolling me uh, uh, personally because they don't have access to me to troll me. 
personally, so because I cut him off because that's what he does. He's a troll. But the the person <laughs> he said, get my name, get my name out your mouth. Someone asked me about the person. His name wasn't in my mouth. But that's what trolls do. They flip things so that they present things in a way that benefits whatever argument they're trying to present because trolls argue. I don't argue. I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm going to go on. If you don't hear it, I move along. I, I really don't care. If you start behaving and doing things, engaging in a personal kind of demonstration, I block you because I don't have time for that. I'm not a child. So I don't have time for that. And you under the, you're under the sound of my voice. I highly encourage you. If somebody can't respect you to engage like an adult, I, I highly recommend that you end any interactions with folks that are acting like children because it doesn't play out well for anybody. It's just not good. Somebody would say, why are you talking about this? Because we, we need to be reminded of it. it. It's social media. So if you can't be social, then we won't be interacting. It's, it's pretty simple as that. But I didn't have the name, the person's name in my mouth. Someone asked me about them. So to make sure that they understood what and who I was talking about, I mentioned the person's name. I don't go anywhere. I'm not even mentioning the person's name here because if I, if I take upon myself to talk about the person, the person's name is in my mouth. Person's name isn't in my mouth. Someone asked me about them. But when you do things like that, and also the person who, I had also blocked the person who shared it because that person is a troll. And trolls do run in packs, just like wolves. They run in packs. And it's really interesting how the, they, the person posted it with zero context. And trolls don't like context. And they ignore context. If you give them context or ask them to come back to the context, they will ignore the context. So it's really sad today. Um, folks, if you're looking for mentoring, I say it all the time. The best mentoring happens organically. The best mentoring should happen at your job. If you don't have a mentor at work, that means that you do need to find one outside of work. If you have a sizable UX team, you can have a person that calls themselves your mentor or you call them your mentor. That doesn't make them your mentor. I've heard about a lot of ADP list mentors that are not mentors at all. So, so much for who they vetted out because we, the, the stories are pretty replete. And is this a war against ADP list? No, it's not. I think like the boot camps, they have a good idea that went south. It went south. And, and could it be repaired? Uh, potentially. But it's not going to be repaired by somebody who has five minutes of experience in the discipline. And, and this displacement of seniors is really problematic because you've got people going into UX leadership roles that are not really UXers. You've got people that are, that are companies that will not bring senior UXers on board because they don't want to be accountable to the senior UXer and because they're doing something that's not UX. And so they don't want to be told that that's not UX because everybody's just trying to get paid. They don't care about the UX work and they don't care about the users. They just care about getting paid. This is all problematic for the UX discipline as a whole. And until we get back on track, we will continue. We're in a downward spiral now and we'll continue to be in a downward spiral as long as things are out of place and people keep trying to promote themselves as being something or someone that they're not. And you got people out there that are trying to present themselves as teachers and mentors and they're not, um, we're not going to go, we're not going to head down the right path until this gets straightened out. And it, folks, it's going to take years. It is going to take years before the, this gets straightened out. 
because people don't want to do the right thing. There, there's too many people that want to do the wrong thing. So all we can do is make impact in pockets. All we can do is help people to get it together in pockets. With all these different things, nobody's going to shut down the UX boot camps. The mentoring services are not going to shut down. But if somebody will just, you know what, let's retool how we're doing this thing. Let's make some changes. As long as the people who are getting into UX will grow the right way, you'll find that you'll have less need for a mentor. And you'll just go and, and generate organic relationships with people that have impact that resembles that of mentors. That's what I'm prescribing today. That's, that's where I'm putting my 27 years on the line. These 27 years that these people keep trying to nullify with their gaslighting, and with their arguments and with their mutual admiration society type of things that are, that's what it is. And, and, and please don't, I'm not being personal. I'm not, I'm not making personal statements. I'm stating something that just needs to be straightened out. And anybody can straighten out what's going on today. Anybody who's on one of these paths can do the, the right thing. But trolls think that you're being personal when you say this. And it's because they lack that introspection. If, if you have that introspection and you look in the mirror and go, you know what? My shoulder is wrinkled. I need to press it. That's it. That's all that we're bringing up. That's the only thing that we're proposing. If something is wrong, let's just make it right. Because if we could come together, it would be a miracle. And, and I'm not saying miracles don't happen. They do. But as long as certain people want to fight and bicker and scratch and kick and take things personally when they're not and then make personal statements when they're inappropriate, we're not going to get anywhere. And, and that's just human nature. So because it's human nature, that's why I don't really expect to see much of a change because people are just going to be people and they want what they want. And if you don't present what they want, then they don't want anything to do with you. And right now, riding the ship of UX it's not what a lot of people who occupy space in UX, it's not what they want. And so since it's not what they want, it's not what's going to happen. And there's nothing that we can do about it. And, and even, there are even people in the senior UX ranks that don't like me talking about these things because they think that we shouldn't be talking about this. We should just be solving the problems. Try to solve a problem without diagnosing it first and see how far you get. You're not gonna, I don't care what it is in life. If you have a nail in your tire, borrowing that title from one of my recent blog posts, if you have a nail in your tire, you can go around that nail all you want until you get that nail out of your tire. Either you're going to continue to have that problem or one day you're going to have a blowout because you refuse to address the nail in your tire and it's going to be, um, you'll end up in an irreparable situation. So I know how to solve problems. And, and actually, a lot of other people know how to solve problems, too. They just fail to be honest with themselves when it comes to actually solving the problem. So I'm not going to stop talking about what I talk about. A person did that on LinkedIn the other day. Why don't you just leave the whole thing alone? Wow, that's interesting. How much experience do you have again? And what do you bring to the table? And, and so I love, uh, how in closing today, I love the metaphor someone presented. If you came to a four-star general, and try to approach them the way that a lot of people approach senior UXers today, that would not end well. And which uh, some of us need to understand. So when you have people that are telling you that somebody was mean to them, number one, they're usually lying. Nobody was mean to them. They, inf they, they made assumptions about the tone 
uh, things of that nature. And in cases sometimes when the person was there and the tone of voice seemed to be a bit on the terse side, sometimes it's just intensity or passion. It has nothing to do with anybody being mean. And But for what these folks fail to do is tell you what they did to provoke what someone said or did <laughs> as a person that's been counseling people for 40 years. Uh, that is something that I've noticed that people will make claims, but they don't tell you what they did to bring it about. Let's write the ship. That That's really what today's UX potpourri session is about. Let's write the ship today. I'm not trying to say, like I said last week, we're not trying to take the UX writers out of their positions. We just need to retool it. We're not trying to, to shut down ADP lists or any of the boot camps. We just want to retool it and we need to retool the thinking and, and these people in these types of operations need to be partnering with senior UXers and then listening to what we have to say to help them be better at what they do instead of trying to demonize us and trying to fight against us because we have too much data <laughs> that will drive the well-being of the discipline data you can't do without. And if you're a UX professional, you know the value of data today. So, I mean, the, I'm making logical appeals here. I'm trying to put the rest. There is no animosity. I don't hate any of these people. I don't detest any of these people. If I say somebody is a troll, it's because they're a troll. But I know people who used to be trolls and are no longer trolls too. And, and they're no longer trolls because when they were trolling, they took the time one day to engage in interaction. And when they finally stopped and applied critical thinking and academic thinking, they realize, you know what? What you're saying will help me. You know what? What you recommended, I actually took a closer look at it. That is a better way to go. And you know what? What you said actually does make sense. When I stopped applying a tone of voice and I stopped thinking you were being mean and actually started to, to process the information, I realized, wow, you know what? He actually... He's actually right. Until those types of things happen, folks, the the divide, the great divide today that exists in UX is going to remain. Mark my words on it, it's going to remain. So that's all the time we have for today. Wrapping up episode number 99. Folks, thank you for taking the time to listen again today. And uh, we hope you will join us again in the future. Share the word. Get the word out. Let, let us write the ship in UX today. That's really all I want to see. Folks, that's it. So this is the host of the world of UX, Darren Hood, signing off. Happy UXing, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.